Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Spent the week in L.A., back up in the the Bay Area office, recording this podcast. Uh, Spent a hell of a week. Absolutely crazy week of free agent signings. As I'm recording this, uh, Jordan Matthews just signed with the Niners. Niners signed uh, Jason Verrett. Earlier today, former first-rounder of the Chargers that once was a really good player. So you're starting to see a lot of the low-money deals, like the one-year deals, guys that, like Haha Clinton Dix today with the with the Chicago Bears. What a genius move by him to go to that defense that's absolutely loaded. Two good corners, Eddie Jackson, two good linebackers, and an elite front. Now Haha is going to redeem his value, you know, and a good defensive coaching staff. A lot going on today. Uh, I'm going to do a heavy Middlecoff mailbag. I just have so many questions. I'm just going to bang some out. Uh, that'll probably be the majority of the show. You can always slide up in my DMs at John Middlecoff. Uh, you slide up in those DMs, and, and I will answer the questions. A couple of the big things that I didn't get to talk about earlier in the week on Tuesday's pod, because it happened after. We, we didn't know what was going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. I've talked a lot on my Periscope show and on Twitter about Odell Beckham's trade. Well, maybe I'll dive into that a little bit too. I guess I haven't really talked about it here. But to me, the number one story, I I, I don't even think there is a comparable to this. Can you imagine NFL free agency if you are an NFL general manager or even a head coach and this guy happens to be a head coach and he's the general manager in Bill Belichick? 
whatever you do for a job, we all have, you know, like my CPA, his busy season is the next two months or the next, it's been the last month and, and this month, right? If you're, you're getting ready for tax season. If you are, like if you're in, in the media business, usually if you cover football, the fall is pretty important. The fall, the draft, and free agency. It's pretty, you know, it's your busy time. You're off time. OTAs are slow. The summer's really slow. Once training camp starts, it's it's full go. Uh, what, what, I don't know. Whatever you do, you know you have certain times of the year, whether it's the end of a fiscal quarter, whether it's certain time in your individual business when things are acquired, whatever, that you got to be a little more locked in, that there's just kind of more money on the line. And I've lived it. I, I had a front row seat to Howie and Andy. It was intense. Free agency was intense. Now, Howie, clearly, it's a big deal for him. He takes it seriously because he's a wheeler and a dealer. Bill Belichick and Cougar Linda went on vacation. Not last week, but all week. Like, they're in Barbados. I I saw on the UK Daily Mail this week. Belichick, every other picture I've seen of him, he's basically half naked. He's just wearing swim shorts. And Cougar Linda's wearing a thong bikini jumping into the water again. This is free agency, and the Patriots have some money. They, they have some wiggle room. He does not give literally one shit. I could not care any less. It is pretty wild. I, I, I'm trying to think what would be a comparable. I, I was thinking driving earlier. It'd be like the, you know, the president not showing up to the State of the Union, but that analogy doesn't really parallel because there's only one president. You know, there are 31 other teams, and guys are getting signed. I can't even think about it. Honestly, it's it's beyond nuts, and it's the ultimate. Like he's kind of got two middle fingers up at the league. Like I'm so much better than you guys. You can do whatever you want. It does not matter because when the dust settles and it's the middle of January, we're gonna be playing games. You guys might not be, regardless of who you sign, regardless of who you trade for. I know for a fact, the Patriots, we're going to be there. I'm in Barbados with my girlfriend, half naked, just having the time of our lives, in the middle of free agency. Like We're making fun of it, and I'm laughing about it, and I have been all week seeing the pictures on social media, but I don't think, from a serious just element, how crazy it is when you take a step back. Best coach, best GM, just went on vacation during... One of the three weeks where you can acquire players. This week, the draft and the big cutdowns. That is the big player movement in the NFL. And Bill Belichick went on vacation. I don't think you would see that in any other major business. It's not like he never acts. People are like, oh, he never does anything in free agency. He bought Stephon Gilmore two years ago. He was an all-pro. He bought Revis a couple years ago. He consistently makes trades. It really is wild what a different level he's on. And he's gone full, just old guy, doesn't give a shit mode. Like, I'm going on vacation. Who's going to yell at him? Bob Kraft? Bob Kraft's fighting prostitution charges. You think Jonathan Kraft's saying anything to Bill? Please. You think any of the coaches are saying anything to Bill? Come on. Bill is... Life is good for Mr. Belichick. Okay, let's get into Le'Veon Bell and Odell Beckham Jr. 
Let's, let's actually start with Odell Beckham Jr. First off, I, I've been saying forever, they were going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants could say whatever they want. People in the NFL knew they were dead set on trading him. Which has to be one of the dumbest ideas ever when you factor in they just signed him to a massive contract. They could have easily traded him last year when he was going into his fifth year option for probably like a one and two twos. Hell, maybe even more. I mean, they could have got a boatload for him. You know, like the probably 70% of what the, you know, the Bears gave up for Khalil Mack. It's what you could have got for Odell Beckham. But they signed him. And it, last year was a disaster. Eli's a disaster. So then they decided to trade him this year. Which, again, you can trade a player whenever you want. Uh, I don't recommend trading good players. It's typically not a great idea. Khalil Mack's, Odell Beckham's, like, I, I would hold on to those players. Antonio Brown, I, I think you could argue the Steelers didn't really have a choice. But, like, Beckham would have kept playing for the Giants. Khalil Mack wanted to be a Raider. Keep those guys. Especially when you have them under contract, like Odell Beckham Jr. Especially when the goal is to get a good quarterback, eventually, around your star receiver. But then, I I know on pretty good sourcing that the New York Giants had multiple offers that were better than what they accepted. Now, in most walks of life, you don't always need to accept the best offer you get, you know, if you're selling your home, if you're selling your business or whatever, if, if you're selling it for the right reasons, right? If you're giving it away, maybe you're selling your home to like a family friend, you sell it to them for 50 grand cheaper. You know, maybe you're selling your business, you know, for 10 million bucks and someone offers you nine, $9.5 million and whatever, you know, it's, it happens, right? But I, I, I think when you're selling a player like this in trading, your most important asset, you have to get, by far, a haulback. Especially when you have the leverage. So, one thing I have consistently heard is the Giants were dead set on not trading him in the NFC. Now, I get not trading him in the division. I wouldn't trade him to the Eagles. I wouldn't trade him to the Cowboys. Not saying that they'd even make offers, because they know they wouldn't even get a callback. I also wouldn't trade him to the Patriots. But, so, that's 27 other teams or 28 other teams that would be on the table. So, if the 49ers make me an offer that is 30% better than what I just got, because what I just got is basically a poop sandwich. The 17th pick is cool. Odell Beckham, I think, was the 13th pick. The third rounder means nothing. It's the New New England Patriots third round pick. So, it's at the end of the third round. And Peppers, whatever. I, I, I could trade any... I could find a strong safety in the fourth round. So, you're trading this player, who's your most popular player, is one of the most popular players in the league, one of the rare non-quarterbacks that fans will buy a ticket to go see. And then I trade him to the Browns, who don't, don't give me that much. Also, where he's going to have success, they have an accurate quarterback, they have a slot receiver that can work the middle of the field, they have a tight end that can also work the middle of the field, and they're going to have a run game. Like, you traded him to a place... They not only didn't give you much, you put yourself in a position to look really dumb. Because he's going to play well there. If he's on the field, he's going to ball. They just have too many options. That's been one problem for the Giants. You know, before Saquon got here, it was easy to know where the ball was going. Now I think you look at his situation in Cleveland, he's going to make them look bad. 
So at the end of the day, you're going to end up with a meh safety, a third-round pick that more than likely will not amount to diddly squat, and the 17th pick, which is fine, but even if you get a good player at the 17th pick, you basically traded the 17th pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Dave Gettleman should be ashamed of himself. Honestly, it's a fireable offense. I, It's the most embarrassing. To me, it's worse than the Mac trade. The Mac trade was insane because at the end of the day, who the hell trades Khalil Mack in their prime? But at least they got back two first-round picks. So you can go, we got back two first-round picks. Again, I would not have traded Khalil Mack basically under any circumstances. But if you are, you better get a haul, and they did get a haul back. That cannot be said about Odell Beckham. The best player they've had in years, most popular player they've had in years, one of the most talented players they've probably ever had on offense. To give him away like that is is shameful. It really is. I feel for Giants fans. If I lived in New York, I can't even imagine my reactions. I would be incensed. Because, again, I if you were going to trade him, okay, I get the Cleveland Browns first, second, and maybe their next year's second round pick. Like, I get a haul. And that's not what they got. They got a first round pick and then nothing really after. That's it, It's a joke. It really is embarrassing. And Dave, as I call him, Meathead Gettleman, Dave, I'm terrible at my job, Gettleman, just really got exposed. Really, really got exposed. And John Mara, the quickest way he can fix this thing is to fire him and Pat Shermer. Those two guys are not good enough to be in their position to be running this iconic franchise. Because right now, the dumpster fire is in mid-fire. And the firemen are nowhere around. The fire is spreading everywhere. And if no one comes with some water, and you know those planes that dump all the water on top, in the in the near future, the fire is going to spread. It's going to burn the whole building down. Because that's where it feels like they're headed. Let's get in really quick to Le'Veon Bell. I'm not going to spend that much time on this because my take has never changed. What he did last year, sitting out his franchise year at $14.5 million, he was not making eight hundred and fifty k. he was not making $2 million. They had an offer on the table for $14.5 million. Every single penny. There's 100 pennies in a dollar. There's 14.5 million ones in that much money. You do the math. It's a lot of pennies. He passed up on that. That was on the table. It was all guaranteed, every single penny. He turned it down because he didn't show up. And he was applauded by social media and clearly, I mean, social media, I got the Duke game on in the background. Social media wanted Zion Williamson to quit college basketball. He not only didn't quit, he traveled with the team, he came back to Duke, and he just had one of the greatest first 10 minutes in a conference tournament game I've ever seen. He looked like LeBron meets Shaq. So when players don't do what social media tells you to do, they, they usually make the right decision. Social media was like, Le'Veon, don't give in to the man. Show them what's up. Which is a great line of thinking if you're like some union worker and you're being paid $7 an hour and you're fighting for 12 Like, okay, I get it. You, you stand for something. But when you're being offered $14.5 million, like I, I, th- no subject in recent memory, in sports, gets me more just fired up than than Le'Veon Bell's situation. It was so dumb. Think about this. Every free agent that signed, let's just name the top couple that come to, come to mind. Trent Brown, 
CJ Mosley, Anthony Barr, uh, Golden Tate just got a big contract from the Giants. The, the, those guys, the, all the free agents that signed all around with all these teams, Earl Thomas, uh, right, Honey Badger, they were also in the same situation as Le'Veon Bell. They were going to be free agents. Why the hell did they play last season? Why didn't they just sit out the season? Wait till the wait till the offseason to get paid. You know why? Because they wanted to get paid for 2018 and play well and then get paid again in 2019. He would have made $14.5 million. The likelihood of him having a career-ending injury is slim to none. Like one happens every other year. So more than likely, even if he got hurt, he was still going to get money. So even if he got a little less than he actually got from the Jets which he did not get $35 million. That's like with injury guarantees and other contingencies. He got $27 million at signing. But he didn't actually get $27 million because he's 14 and a half in the hole. So he got like 13. That's what he made. Because he's just got zero for the last year. Because his agent, who is just a moron, recommended that. Or Le'Veon's a moron and thought that that was a good idea. It wasn't. Le'Veon, you play running back. Let's say he had played quarterback. Maybe I would get it. Or defensive end. But it made no sense at running back. He was going to have made $27 million for being franchised twice. At running back. And here's the other thing. We act like Le'Veon was an innocent bystander. He had been suspended twice. Suspended twice. He'd also had a major injury. Like Le'Veon. You have red flags. So that money to turn that type cash down was stupid. Because you would have played, and you wouldn't even have played as much the previous two years, mainly because James Conner was kind of on the come. He would have split some carries with you. you and you would have got the same contract that you probably just got. Hell, if your te- if you were playing, your team might have been better, might have made the play. You might have got more. Then you would have had $14.5 million plus like $30, $35 million. You do the math. That's like 50. So instead of having 50, he's got 27. It was it was idiotic. And Twitter applauded him because they hate the man, they hate the powerful. But it's one thing when the powerful are holding you down. It's another thing when the powerful are offering you $14.5 million. I don't know where you come from. Le'Veon or your representation comes from, but where I come from, that's a pretty good partnership. I'd enter in that bad boy. Especially when $14 million, it's a big raise when you had just made $12.5 million. It it was baffling when it happened. It was so stupid to see the consistent talk about why he was sitting out and he was making this move for the bigger picture. No, no player is going to not sign that tender. They, they talk a big game. They always do it. Why? Because it's so much money. The second year of the tender. Ask, ask Kirk Cousins how that went. Remember when he was pissed off he got franchised twice? I wonder how that worked out for his bank account. Let me tell you. He got franchised once. He got franchised twice. He banked about $45 million on those two franchises. Might have been a little more. I think it was like 47 Do you know what happened after those two years? Yeah, just like most players, he just kept playing. He got a contract worth $84 million. So if, imagine if he would have sat out, sat out twice, or sat out the franchise just to get to that $84 million. He would have been 45 or even if he would have sat out one of them, $24 million less rich. Instead, he banked it all. 
Earl Thomas, who is 10 times smarter than Le'Veon Bell, was furious, right? They didn't extend his contract. And I don't blame him. He'd been a lifetime Seattle Seahawks. He'd won a Super Bowl there. He'd been like a Hall of Fame level player. I get him being pissed off. You, but you know what he did? When week one came around, he showed up. Why? Because he was making like $11 million. He's not an idiot. He played. And you know what happened to him? He had his leg shattered. Then do you know what happened to him once free agency started? The Ravens gave him like $30 million. So instead of being not playing all season and being healthy and getting probably the same contract, he's $11 million richer today than he would, than he would have been if he would have taken Le'Veon Bell's tactic. I, 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 I was shocked by what Le'Veon was doing. Uh, I, I would have supported it if he was making $1 million you know, or $700,000 and was a high-character guy and they loved him. But you know the reality. If he had never been in trouble and never been hurt, they would have signed him. Look at Todd Gurley. Now it's backfiring now because he's got arthritis, but they drafted him. They liked him. He'd never been in trouble. He'd been a model teammate, and they signed him. It's usually the uh, the way the NFL works. If you act well, play well, you get paid. But when you get in trouble, y- you risk teams not feeling confident about you. Would you feel confident in whatever you did if you had some billion-dollar business paying someone $14, 20 $30, 40000000 dollars if you couldn't trust them? I don't know about you, I wouldn't. And football is the best example because we know about these guys' lives, but it happens in other businesses. People that get nervous with humans don't do long-term deals with you. And Le'Veon, you know, he stood for something on social media, but in reality, he set himself back $14.5 million. Okay, as we do every week, let me get to the Middlecoff mailbag. I'm a little behind on some questions here, but okay, let's start. Pat's fan and fan of the podcast. Long shot scenario here, but being that it's Tom going to retire soon, and rumors are the Pats are interested in Josh Rosen, do you think the Patriots could replicate the success they had with Brady with Rosen? Well, no, because they won six Super Bowls. And in Tom's first, you know, four years as a starter, he won three. But I, I do think they can keep something going. And I haven't really talked about it, but Kyler Murray's Pro Day was this week. I talked about it with Colin when I went on a show. It was a pretty big red flag for me that Kyler didn't run, mainly because he weighed 205 pounds. He's not normally 205 pounds. I think he plays at, you know, 188 probably, uh, and he knows he wouldn't run as fast. Now, is Kyler Murray going to go number one overall? Because if he is, then Josh Rose is not going to be on the team. But what if we've been kind of being played this whole time? I have to leave that option as a potential kind of outcome here. They ultimately trade the number one pick to like the Raiders for 1-27 and and keep Rosen. Now, I thought Rosen would be traded this week, but as I'm recording this Thursday night, still not traded. Doesn't feel like he's going to be traded anytime soon. But are they going to... My question is, are they going to start OTAs and just let him come to the building and then trade him on draft night? Maybe they would do that. But I, I, I'm i not 100% sold right now that Rosen's going to get traded. Because I would have thought he would have been traded this week. Now maybe they tell you we get better demand come the draft time. I'd say, well, guys, I guess it helps that Teddy Bridgewater went back to New Orleans. You know, the Bengals 
have, I guess, Andy Dalton still there, but the Miami Dolphins are surely going to release Tannehill. Jacksonville has a quarterback now. The Giants need a quarterback, but they could draft one. Maybe they got nowhere to send them. So, but I, I think a lot of teams, the Giants, the Pats, you know, would be really, really interested in them. Okay, this is like a life question. Big fan of the pod. I've noticed a clear trend in the NFL. The last five quarterbacks drafted the top 15, not including last year's draft, Goff, Wentz, Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes, all made the playoffs in their second year. Good trend. After the Odell move to Cleveland and with the Jets and Bills all active in free agency, is it possible that we see all three of those teams in the playoffs next year with their second-year quarterback? Well, I think it's fair to say if the Browns don't make the playoffs, it's an enormous letdown. They should have, I, I would say on paper, the best offense in the league. You got Odell, you got Jarvis, you got Njoku. I don't know really how to say his name. Nick Chubb, I just know he's sweet. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield and a good offensive line. That's that's a that's a elite offense. Now, is Freddie Kitchens a good enough head coach to also be the offensive play caller and, and dominate? We're, we're about to find out because I, I don't know for sure. I think Baker makes the playoffs. I think they'll win nine or ten games, at least. I think the Bills, as a buddy in the NFL texted me, he said, you have an inaccurate quarterback, and you sign two midget receivers. How does that make sense? Say that out loud. You got Josh Allen, who is not very accurate, so you go get him Cole Beasley? You know who's ideal for Cole Beasley? Like Brady or Drew Brees. Not Josh Allen. He is not a Josh Allen type player. Now maybe they'd tell me we need to get that guy around Josh. John Brown, super deep threat. I get it, but still, I don't really like either one of those. I think the problem for the Bills moving forward is that their coach is pretty good. And the culture they're building is pretty solid. They they got some positive things going their way. But I don't know if the personnel side is going to be good enough. Now, when you look at the Jets, you go, well, Adam Gase made the playoffs before with probably less of a roster in Miami his first year. So you go, the AFC East, you got the Pats, but the Dolphins are going to be terrible and the Bills are just kind of meh. Why couldn't the Jets win nine or ten games? You got Le'Veon Bell, he could have a big season. You nail a couple draft picks here in this upcoming draft, get some more talent to go with Sam, to go with Le'Veon. The defense is now much improved. They have a really good defensive coordinator in Greg Williams. That I I could see two of the three making them. If I had to pick, obviously Baker's the easy pick. I think that's probably consensus, right? Most people think the Browns are going to make the playoffs. And then the other the other way you'd have to lean, or at least the way I'd lean, would be the Jets over the Bills. But that's that's a good nugget. So this year, between Darnold, Baker, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I guess Lamar made the playoffs his first year. Who am I missing? And Rosen. I guess Rosen could if he was like the backup in New England. But again, the the Rosen thing's weird to me. Because if they end up trading him, they just held on to the draft to hope to get a bigger package. Because they knew they were trading him all along. Now, I I was talking to a buddy in the NFL today as he was driving home from work. And he brought up a good point. Because I've been thinking this. What if they don't know? What if they really don't know what they're going to do? That might just be the case. Like... As we're sitting here, March 4th, middle of March, the draft, 
a little over a month away. They, they just do not know. And I think that's probably a fair, you know, potential. Hey, John, uh, big fan. Here's a question for you. Where are the Colts in free agency? They have about $100 million in cap space, many draft picks, and with luck are contenders in the AFC. Wouldn't you go after a few big names in free agency, spend money, and try to make a push to the Super Bowl? Here's what I think. I think most deals are not great deals in free agency. I wouldn't want to sign Trent Brown to the biggest offensive tackle contract ever, average per year. I wouldn't want to pay C.J. Mosley $50 million. I don't mind getting like a D. Ford, but even the Niners overpaid a little bit. But part of having cap space, and I'll use the Niners as an example, they don't sign that many big-time free agents. Uh, They went after Odell Hard, but because they have consistently have a lot of cap room, they can get a D. Ford. No different than the Colts. If if an opportunity like that presents itself, they can go land that player. Instead of just signing Preston Smith or C.J. Mosley or those type guys, they obviously don't need C.J. Mosley, but my point is, you get in a situation where you're like, I don't really, that's just kind of dead money. That guy's not a good enough player to be making that type cash. The Colts are always flexible. Flexible. What if like Julio Jones becomes available? The Colts are like, oh, we'll give our first because we have all this cap room. What if, you know, whoever becomes available, they can always make a move. So to me, it, it is never undervalued, or excuse me, it's never it never gets overstated. Or you, I guess the way to put it is you can't overstate this enough. Because I think in free agency, the cap room, the cap room, the cap room. Having cap room is valuable because you can make moves. Howie Roseman would die to have that much money. Not because he'd sign a bunch of free agents. He'd make trades. To me, that's where the Colts are sniffing around. Who am I going to trade for? Can I go get, you know, a Patrick Peterson? Can I go get a Julio Jones? Can I go do something like that? I'd rather do that. Get, you know, guys that are actually worth 16, 17, 18, 19 million. Can I go get a Khalil Mack? Worth, you know, 15 to 20 million dollars. Because that's what you have to pay for the top guys in free agency. But you don't want to. Like, D. Ford wasn't really a free agent. You had to trade to get him. So, you had to trade. The Niners had to trade next year's second to have the rights to sign him. But that was worth it to them. And I think it's the right move. Because he's a better pass rusher than Trey Flowers. He's a much better pass rusher than Trey Flowers. Now he got a lot more money, but he should. Better player. But the Lions didn't have to give up a second round pick in 2020 to get Trey Flowers. He's a free agent. But I'd rather do that. Now, I think your argument could be, should the Colts be sniffing around some of these players with some of their draft picks? Probably. But it takes two to tango, as we saw with the Niners and Odell Beckham Jr. The other team's got to trade them to you. Now, if I think you could argue... Well, if they were offering next year's second and the Colts offered next year's second too, you would say, well, the Niners are going to be worse than the Colts, so that second round pick's going to be better. So I will take the Niners' offer. So it might really just be that simple. Is Tiger golfing tomorrow? Oh, this is a day old. Yeah, he golfed today. He shot two under, I think. My shot, yeah, he shot two under. John, thought this was interesting. Saw on Twitter that all 32 teams sent scouts to Oklahoma's Pro Day. With Kyler obviously being the big show, I know all 32 teams aren't in a position to draft a quarterback that high, so why does every team attend? I know OU probably has other quality guys, but all 32 seems tough when other schools have pro days on the same day. Well, you split up your pro days, one. And two, 
whenever there's a top prospect, you have to be in attendance. Uh, you, you just do. Because eventually, that it might not work out for Kyler Murray. So that he might be available. And you were there. You experienced it. You have notes on it as an internal, you know, internally as an organization. That is important. So yeah, sometimes it can be, you know, kind of overkill. I think, like in your question, you're basically asking, why the hell are like, what are the Patriots doing there? What are, what are the Kansas City Chiefs doing there? Well, I also think they have. It's not a lot of those guys are there to watch or meet with Hollywood Brown. They have a running back, Rodney Anderson. They have several offensive linemen. You just, when when big-time schools, like back in the day when Ohio State or US, USC, some of these schools, whatever, they got top guys, you just go. And that, that's the way NFL teams think. And if I was a GM and I had Jared Goff or Russell Wilson, whoever, it wouldn't matter. My, my, I, would, I would be in attendance at that pro day. John, do you think free agency this year has been huge due to last year's Los Angeles Rams success? If so, who do you think will have instant success this year? I think the Jets will be a lot better. I think the Jets will be a lot better. The Lions bought a lot of guys, but I don't think they'll be that much better. I actually think the Bears had a pretty good little under the... They didn't sign any big-time free agents, but they got Buster Screen, a good nickel corner. They got HaHa Clinton Dix, you know, a four-year starter in the NFL. They got Cordero Patterson who can play like seven different positions. He can play right receiver, he can play running back, he can kick return, punt return. He's a good player. I mean, those are solid players to a team that's texting with the buddy of the Bears today. He's like, God, I think we got, we're better today. I'm like, yeah, you are. And the, you look at the Bears roster last year, they had one of the better rosters in the league. And they got better. I, I think a lot of these younger GMs, the Howies, the Ryan Paces, the Les Needs. Unless started at last, even Chris Ballard. I know he's not that aggressive, but he he's willing to make moves. Uh, Belichick always is, even though he's not that crazy in free agency. Would it shock you at any moment if like Belichick traded for Josh Rosen while he's in Barbados, half naked? That yeah, I, I I don't think it's as much as the Rams' success last year. I just think it's more that Team C deals. Team C, you've seen a lot in the last. 24, 48 hours, a lot of shorter term, like one, two-year deals. It's really cheap for teams because a lot of this money is fluff. Do you know the stupidest part about reports on player contracts? Like, I I don't care. Like, five years, $77 million means nothing to me. Average annual value means nothing to me. What are your guarantees? What are your true guarantees? When they go, when he signs a contract... He gets $30 million. I'm like, okay, so he's got a three-year, $30 million contract. That's how I'd look at it. You know, like in the NBA, you sign a five-year, $100 million contract. It's five-year, $100 million contract. In the NFL, it's all fluff. What are your true guarantees? Like if you died tomorrow, what would you get? And until I see that number, I'm always kind of uneasy criticizing because my natural inclination is to crush or commend a contract. But I've even had to pump the brakes a little bit. Like until I know the big real money, how do I even judge this contract? Because at first, like, oh, Le'Veon Bell signed for fifty-two million. Well, you don't, you know, need to be Bill Belichick to realize, well, that number's not real. And then it comes, oh, he's got thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. And you're like, well, injury guaranteed. His true guarantee at signing is twenty-seven. So it like takes you a while, takes you like twenty-four hours just to get to the root of the of the money. Do you think Solomon Thomas changes positions now that D Ford is on the roster? 
Uh, I wrote about this today in The Athletic. D Ford, what D Ford is, you know, the parallel I'd use for D Ford is Cliff Averill when he left the Lions to go to Seattle. I used to watch Cliff Averill when I was in the NFL at, when he was on Detroit. And I thought he was a one-trick pony. Now his one trick was he was a speed rusher and he was he was good. I think he added like 11 sacks. But the, they didn't think he could hold up versus the run. Well, the great thing in the Seattle scheme, you just kind of play the one gap and you just go. He's the perfect type Leo. Solomon Thomas is a strong side defensive end against the run. He's actually really physical. But he's not a great pass rusher on the edge. But when you go to, you know, in passing situations, D just stays at Leo. You bump Solomon in with DeForest, and you got to find another pass rusher. But that's, or Nick Bosa, right? Or whoever you get. That's a pretty good little pass rush scheme. I like what you got going. So I think Solomon Thomas stays at defensive end on first down when they think you're running, or any down when they think you're going to run. Because he's much, he's a he's their best run defender, or right up there with DeForest Buckner. But he's a really good run defender. He's just not a good pass rusher from the edge. He's decent. He he showed signs inside, but yeah, I think I think D Ford that was a really nice get. And I, I was telling people on Twitter, part of being disappointed. And again, I, I'm selfish. I, I'm biased. I do a Bay Area centric podcast. Odell Beckham would have been great for business. I write for the Athletic that write about the Niners and the Raiders. Like I'm not complaining with Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown in my backyard. Like that's 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 interesting. It's a lot better than Marcel Aitman and Dante Pettis. I, I promise you that. But D Ford, they, they weren't they weren't you know they didn't go get D Ford because they didn't get Odell Beckham. They would have got Odell Beckham and they would have gotten D Ford. Now they wouldn't have the number two pick anymore. Now maybe they would have picked swap. Maybe they just would have given up the number two pick. I'm not sure. But that was, to me, kind of sucked. Like, you could have had both those two guys. Then all of a sudden you're going, God, you got Odell Beckham, D Ford. You still got the 36 pick. You got something going now. Uh, and they're desperate for a wide receiver. Their defensive line is going to be good. Their defensive line, I think, is going to be really good because they're going to draft a really good player at number two. But they don't have a wide receiver. They got Tevin Coleman now, Jarek McKinnon, Kittle. But they don't have any receivers. Now, I don't know how they're going to get one. You know, the Atlanta Falcons aren't going to give the 49ers Julio Jones for a second round pick. And the Niners ain't given number two for Julio Jones. So to me, that deal is not really realistic. Are the Bengals really just going to give away A.J. Green? Would I take give my second round pick to get A.J. Green? In theory, you would. But in reality, you got a guy who's over 30, who's been banged up, excellent player. I probably would. I don't love doing that. But if I get Bosa... Or Quinn and Williams and A.J. Green as my first and second round picks? Yeah, I could live with that. Where can we see some of your takes on the herd? I don't know. I need to, I need to text someone to get that video. I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. His pickup game is definitely not NBA ready. Let's see, this is Zion. Zion, got to be careful, I hope. I guess he's DMing chicks. Okay. You never know what you're going to find you, when you just go to DMs. Just start asking, answering questions. You have a video for the herd. I got to get a video. People are want that video. I'm, I'm going to get that tomorrow. thought I gave a solid performance. I have a question for the Middlecoff Mailbag. If you had to rank the top quarterback prospects in this year's draft, Murray, Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones, how would you rank them? I'd go Kyler 1. I'd go Haskins 1B. 
Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched that much Daniel Jones, and I'm not a huge Drew Locke guy. So I, I would have those guys distant second and third. I, to me, there's there's two quarterbacks that I view as first-round guys and no one else. But again, like I, I'm not studying these guys probably like Dave Gettleman here. But I watch a lot of college football on Saturdays, and I, I watched Drew Locke multiple times, and he never did it for me. But it's clear that people in the NFL like Drew Locke, which I don't know why. I'm going to have to dig in a little deeper as we get closer to the draft. You think the Giants are playing the long con and tanking this year to get the number one pick and snag Trevor Lawrence? I don't buy them going after Kyler Murray at all. The problem with the long game and trying to get Trevor Lawrence, he's a freshman. So he's not hes not even draft eligible next year. And if they were playing the long game, why would they give Golden Tate all that money? I, I just got a text from a guy in the NFL like an hour ago that just tweeted me the contract for Golden Tate and just said, morons. Why, why are they signing Golden Tate? How do you trade Odell Beckham and then sign Golden Tate? How does that make any sense? What are you guys doing? It feels like the Giants are just lost at sea. They're lost on a river without a paddle. Just kind of floating around. They, they really are a dumpster fire of a franchise right now. I, I don't think that can, that can really be... Uh, really be, you know... Everyone's saying that. I just think it has validity behind it. Just finished watching the YouTube live stream. I was just wondering what in your position was the best acquisition of the offseason by a team. Do any stand out? Uh, it'd have to be, to me, Odell Beckham. I, th- I think that one's a pretty easy one. I'd go Odell Beckham. I mean, Antonio Brown's pretty damn big for the Raiders, too. I'd go those two. <laughs> They're right up there. And I'd probably put the, the D forward moves pretty big for the Niners. I, I'd say because they were so desperate for an edge pass rusher. So probably those three. But those were the three best players. You know, those were the three best players that were moved in the last... I guess AB was moved over the weekend, but the last, you know, five or six days. So yeah, I mean, the the best players to move are the best acquisitions. Now, like a solid acquisition that I liked, uh, Honey Badger to the Chiefs. That's a really good one. I think Honey Badger was the best safety on the market. He goes to a team that's desperate for defense, desperate for defensive leadership. They cut Eric Berry, they cut Justin Houston, they have a void there, and they get a guy that's been a captain on multiple teams. He's just a badass. Honey Badger don't care, and he's going to make plays. I, I love that signing by Veach and Andy. That, that was, I'd say Honey Badger beside the, the main guys. And really, Honey Badger, before he got injured, you know, would have been viewed on the AB, Odell Beckham. He's, he was better than D Ford. Uh, obviously, D had a huge year, but I'm just saying, like, in his prime, I mean, he was, like, Defensive Player of the Year type candidate. He was that good. People sending me DMs, making fun of Hugh Jackson. Okay, last one. When this on the Middlecoff mailbag. Do you think that a luxury tax type rule, like they have in the NBA, would work in the NFL, but relating to dead money? I like where this is going. A team with $20 million in dead money can pay $20 million to get rid of it, Oh, can pay $20 million to get rid of $10 million in dead money. The most you can get rid of in a season is half. So you have $30 million in dead money. You can pay... So if you have $30 million in dead money, you can pay $60 million. Maybe I'm not doing the math. Maybe I'll just say it. I'll use your analogy. $20 million to get rid of 10 Okay, I got you. So if you have 20, if you have $20 million in dead money... You'd have to pay forty, yeah. So if you have thirty million a day money, you got to pay get sixty. Okay, yeah, you just double it. 
Asking because the Saints keep pushing Drew Brees' contract hit, and it will hit all when he retires like Romo in Dallas. I, You know, I, I have always believed that dead money, like once a guy retires, it should be off your books. And a lot of people on Twitter argued with me, well, you can't just keep pushing back your credit card payments, credit card payments, and pay pay the minimum, pay the minimum, and then eventually be $50,000 in the hole and just cancel the credit card and not owe. Like eventually... You can keep robbing Peter to pay Paul, but eventually you, you got to pay Peter too. You know, you got to pay someone. So I, I think the NFL competition committee and, and the way the general managers and owners think, like, you should not get rewarded to be able to buy your way out of it. All these teams have so much money, they, they would just buy their way out of it. The Cowboys definitely would. They have so much, they would just pay that uh, to go down. If you keep moving the cap on your quarterback because it's a huge hit, like, you can't just circumvent the rule forever. E- eventually, it comes to roost. And it did on the Cowboys. What I think the numbers this year was like Romo had a big cap hit and Des Bryant. Neither guy was on the team. One guy was cut and the other guy was retired. To me, if you retire, again, I do stand by this. If you retire, I, I think your money should just go away. Now, I think the argument would be, well, a guy like Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or some of these older quarterbacks... We'll just keep pushing it back. And if they're never going to leave the team, they're going to retire on the same team, they would manipulate the cap pretty easily. So I, I get that. Uh, but I don't know. I, I It feels weird to me that you can retire and still have a huge cap hit. Like, I, I'm sorry, especially Tony Romo. He just kind of randomly retired. They didn't know he was going to retire. He got injured and then Dak took over and it all kind of happened organically. Uh, so I, I like where your head's at. And I wouldn't be opposed to that. I just know the NFL would 100% never allow that. It would never get voted through, I don't think. Because they it, it would benefit the dumb teams. And when I say dumb, I just mean teams that just do the basic move the money around just to push it back another year. Like, the why would Howie Roseman... That, that, that'd be an advantage for teams that don't know how to manipulate the cap. You know, the right way and the good way. The Parags, the Howies, even the Belichicks. They never get in really those situations. The Cowboys do, right? The Rams probably will. The Raiders have historically. Uh, so yeah, I I I like I like the idea. I see where you're coming from, but I, I think it's not even close to being an opportunity that ever happens. Thanks for listening. Three and Out Podcast. Tell all your friends. Enjoy the weekend. It's been a, it's been a pretty damn good week of football. I mean, we've had a we've had a lot of action. Now, I feel like next week's going to be a pretty big letdown. Uh, but, but this week was fun, and I'm excited, and we'll get ready for the NCAA tournament next week, and we'll talk more football. Adios. Have a good one. See you. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? 
You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.